I remember just getting like really panicky, like, no, I have to figure this out right now because my my son's going to come home from school in like two hours and I have to know what to say. When Holly's son was considering suicide, she called a Focus on the Family counselor. All those years I'd been listening to Focus, I was thinking about how they were like that practical guide for me. That was sound advice I could get from them. I didn't really know where else to turn. I'm Jim Daly. Working together, we can rescue hurting parents like Holly and give families hope. We need the truth that Focus on the Family brings into our minds and into our homes. We need that if we're going to raise up the next generation of believers to walk in obedience and to walk in the truth that God loves us. Donate today at FocusOnTheFamily.com hope and your gift will be doubled. When your child reaches the teen years, deep inside, even if they don't tell you, even if they act like they hate you, they really want to be loved. They want to feel loved. One of the best ways you can express your love is through uh, something called the five love languages, which has helped so many people around the world to connect better with each other. I'm John Fuller, along with our Vice President of Parenting, Dr. Danny Huerta, and we're going to hear now from Dr. Gary Chapman. He developed this concept of the love languages and speaks regularly on the topic. Jim and Jean Daly spoke with him, and we're going to focus on two love languages today, physical touch and words of affirmation. Gary and Jean, let's work through these now. Physical touch, we've talked about it, so let's go there. Jean, just as a practical example, uh, when we you know, kind of fell into the observation that Troy was physical touch, that's me! <laughs> How did that guide your parenting with him? How did you embrace that and engage it? Well, it was easy when he was young, because you want to hug your little, mm. your little boys. But the older he got, <laughs> that was more challenging for me, but I would be intentional about scratching his back or putting my hand on his back, something that's unnatural for me, but I knew it was important to him, or even scratching, he loves, he would love for Jim to scratch his arm, kind of rub his arm. He plops down on the couch arm. next to my chair and puts his arm across my lap, <laughs> <Right. laughs> tickling my forearm. That's the cue, huh? It's, that's yes. the cue, almost every night. I mean, it's so sweet. Yes. But it did. It You learned to verbally engage him by putting your hand on his shoulder and touching him in some way and that's great right yeah and back rubs at night it's a little harder gary isn't it when they become teenagers because things might change a little bit i'm I'm thinking of guys whose daughters are physical touch yeah yeah i think uh, what we have to recognize is as they get to be teenagers we have to change different forms you know when they were little we were hugging them and they were sitting on our lap and all that sort of thing they get to be teenagers and maybe it's high fives and wrestling to the floor or if it's a daughter you know you're giving you're still giving her hugs mm-hmm. and some fathers have kind of drawn back in those early teenage years from hugging their daughters because they've heard so much about you know sexual abuse etc and uh, I say, if you don't keep hugging her, she'll find an 18-year-old guy who will. Mm-hmm. So don't, yeah. you know. You know, a real practical good. example, and Gene, you've mentioned this to me with your own dad. There was a moment at, and you can mention the age, I can't recall exactly, but you said you just remember your dad pulling back. Right. I was six. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and he, he, he used to 
carry me to bed. And then just one day, I mean, it stopped. Uh-huh. And he hugged me once when I was 15, oh. and I cried. Wow. So it's something caused him to pull back. Yeah. And I appreciate you talking about that, Gary, because my girls still, as adults, lean into me for a hug. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. I, I think it's really healthy. Okay, let's move to words of affirmation. Uh, what, Gary, does a child whose primary love language is words of affirmation need to hear from mom and dad? And again, I love this. It sounds elementary, but some of us don't get this. This probably is a little weaker area for me. So I'm asking for a friend of mine, (laughs) words of affirmation, how do we effectively as a parent express that? Well, I think we recognize, first first of all, you can focus on the child, you know, the way they look, maybe the muscles they have or the (laughs) smile they have on their face or just things like that about them and saying, you know, you're so beautiful when you smile, just looking for things about them physically and maybe their personality and, and focusing on that. Uh, but it also can be focusing on things that they're doing that you really want to see them learn how to do. And so maybe after a ball game, you see your son go over to a guy who just missed a shot and he gives him encouraging words. So dad says later to him, hey, man, I saw what you did tonight. And I know he felt badly about missing that shot. Man, that's great when you give people encouraging words. Mm-hmm. Just looking for things that they're already doing once in a while. But you verbally affirm that, and it tends to build that into their lifestyle. Mm. And I think, Gene, I don't know that I'm effective with Trent, because we kind of learned late that Mm -hmm. words of affirmation, it just was not obvious. And he's a bit stoic. You know, he's very science-minded and, you know, talks very matter-of-factly. He's very uh, factual in his thinking. So, you know, I, I was kind of thrown. And then words of affirmation, uh, I think you do a great job, Jane. but how well, do you go about doing that with Trent? Well, now that he's older, that's, that's one positive use of technology. I will text him, and it's I'll text him, you know, Trent, I'm just so proud of you for whatever it is. And it, you know, I think um, it needs to be sincere. Yeah. And, um, you know, that, again, that can be challenging at some periods of the child's life, but we have to work hard to find something positive about them. Especially in those teen years. He was, he was the strong-willed child. Oh, yeah. But I remember the day, he was probably 19, and he said to Gene, Mom, that was an awesome meal. Thank you for cooking that meal. And Gene's jaw dropped open. And he swung around and left the room. And I'm looking at Gene. She's looking at me like, what was that? And it was the arrival of the adult brain. Yeah. Right? Yes. And absolutely. Yeah. It was so much fun. And he's he's kept that going. Yes. I mean, he's yes. very appreciative toward Gene and uses words of affirmation yes. to affirm you. I noticed that. Yes. Regularly. Danny, Jim, and Jean shared how expressing those love languages around their kids really changed um, the relationship as their boys became teenagers. Um, how, how have you seen the love languages at work in your own family? Oh, yeah. I love talking about the love languages, John. Quality time is a big one for my son, Alex. And we would build Legos side by side. He didn't need words. He just would say, Dad, let's hang out and build Legos. And now... It's uh, riding in the car together, or we'll work out together. We'll do projects side by side, or go out to go out to eat together. And I love that. It's still that quality time that we spend together. And with my daughter Lexi, 
Man, uh, touch was a huge one for her, that physical touch. She wanted to be held. Even if I was vacuuming, whatever, washing dishes, she just longed to be held. <laughs> and so that made it hard early on, trying to get things done. And now we a go to church. A lot harder when she or... got older, though, right? I mean, I mean, how do you pick up a 75-pound kid yeah, and that's carry right. them around they, they got, vacuum? I mean, that's how I work out, right? <laughs> so she, um, my, my daughter now, she loves to, when we're at church, she loves to either hold hands or she loves tickles on her arm. <laughs> And she loves that. You can see that's comforting to her. She also loves to spend time together. She's found that quality time is important to her if you take interest in what she's doing. We played dolls together early on. I tried to find interest in that. And then uh, now it's aerial acrobatic silks that she's into. And uh, it's taken me a while to learn more about that. Do you do silks with her? Uh, I've attempted a couple things. I mean, it's very unnatural, John. <laughs> Go back to but dolls. I'll watch her. Dolls yeah. are safer too, by the way, right? <laughs> That's right. Oh, well, what you heard today from the dailies and Dr. Chapman is part of an ongoing conversation that we have available for you as a free download. We're going to link over to that in the show notes so you can hear the uh, discussion about all five of the love languages. We covered two of those today. And of course, Dr. Chapman's book is the foundation for understanding all five better. And we've got copies of that book here at the ministry. We would invite you to make a donation to Focus on the Family. Join the support team. Help us create podcasts like this and literally reach around the world to encourage parents. Uh, Make a donation today, either a one-time gift or a monthly pledge of any amount. And we'll send the five love languages of children to you as our thank you. Details are in the show notes. Next time, Julie Lavender will share about engaging with your child's interests, like silks. And uh, for now, I'm John Fuller. And on behalf of Danny Huerta and the entire team, thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast. A mysterious phone call and a new nemesis? Emily Jones and Matthew Parker are on the case. I just need to find out who this person is. Oh, it sounds like a real mystery. It all starts with a phone caller threatening to blackmail Jones and Parker's friend Jeremy. But this new nemesis won't stop there. Can Emily and Matthew figure out who this blackmailer is before it's too late? Solve the mystery with them by reading Jones and Parker Case Files, The Nemesis. It's the second book in the series with 16 new stories full of fun, faith, and intrigue. It's a great way for kids ages 8 to 12 to sharpen their detective skills while learning important values. Inspect clues, examine the evidence, and try to guess who done it. This is going to be harder than I thought, Mr. Whitaker. Oh, stop saying that, Priscilla. Relax. We're going to have a blast. For more, go to adventuresinodyssey.com slash jonesandparker. That's adventuresinodyssey.com slash jonesandparker.